Before we start today's episode, we are excited and relaxed to announce our partnership with Alpen Organics. They are a CBD company. That means they have no THC. They are actually a vegan and veteran operated CBD company. They lab test every single product. And uh, as I said, they do not have any THC in their products. And if you're not very familiar with CBD, that's the stuff that gets you high from weed. So that's all extricated and they source all of their hemp from Colorado. Yeah, we use CBD all the time. We put it in our tea, makes me less anxious, it helps me sleep at night, and for achy joints, especially after learning choreography and all that stuff for shows, definitely helps my uh, my broken ankles at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, they have a mind and body line. So the, the body is the lotion, and anytime a joint is hurting, because you can't foam roll that out, it's harder to stretch a joint. The CBD is the first thing that I turn to, and I've even started recommending it to some of my training clients. If you're interested, you can check them out at alpenorganics.com. That's A-L-P-E-N organics.com, and use the code Ashley at checkout for 20% off. I'm Ashley Argoda, and, and we are Mismo. In today's episode, we talk with Dylan Lane. You guys might know Dylan Lane from a little show I did called Bucket and Skinner's Epic Adventures. Dylan played Skinner. I loved working on that show with him. We had a really great talk about actually what happened after Bucket and Skinner. And he really likes baseball. <laughs> Surprise of the episode, so enjoy. Yeah, I see the the rolls, the self tape in the back, and the road mic and yeah, everything. Yeah. yeah, the life of an actor. Yeah, this is a very uh, multi purpose room that I'm in. This is uh, my spare bedroom um, at my home, and it's become sort of a walk in closet for my girlfriend and I. We both have these really <laughs> intricate shelves set up on either side, so all of her clothes are on one side, mine are on the other, and then we have the paper backdrops on the opposite wall. And I have my desk here that I'm sitting at with all my music equipment and all, all that stuff. Wow. Does she act yeah. as well? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Is it nice having, like, when you get self-tapes, is it nice just, like, automatically having a person to go to? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm sure that's the same for you guys, too. It's, it's yeah. really Absolutely. easy. Yeah. Full disclosure, I am filming a self-tape after we do this episode. Oh, amazing. So. I filmed one for Nikki right before this. Perfect. Yeah, see? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great. Um, hi, Dill. Thank you for doing the hi. show. <laughs> Hello, Ashley. It's so nice to meet you, Mick. Yeah, it's great to meet you, too. It's so funny. Thank you for having me, guys. Yeah. I I feel like you guys know each other because we have watched Bucket and Skinner in this home, so I forget that they're, like this is a completely different era of my life. Yeah. It's so strange. Yeah, that only goes one direction. Um, <laughs> you would have no way of knowing me. I've seen you a few times. Well, I know you through Instagram. Okay. I've talked, I've talked to Ashley about you. I mean, obviously I don't know you well or personally. It's our first time meeting. Um, and it is digital, but I feel like I know you a bit too. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Cool. Fair. I, I have only seen you really from when was Buck and Skinner? Like 10 years ago? Close to, oh my yeah. God, was it 10 years ago? Yikes. Yeah. It's, uh. Nine years ago, I think. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, totally different than your character, but you know, <laughs> I'd like to think so. Yeah. But that's that's fun. Yeah. Do you ever? You get... know, I've 
Do you ever get Sorry? stopped on the street and asked about, like, do you get asked to do the Skinner voice ever? No, it's been years. Um, <laughs> I used to. There was maybe like a two or three year window afterward where I would, but I think um, the biggest thing is when I, I cut all my hair off after that and I wanted to kind of separate myself from that look because also, you know, we got canceled. So it was one of those things where for as much fun that I had and how proud of the work that I was that everybody did, you know, there, there still was a little bit of insecurity that I was carrying as a young man yeah. um, being a part of something that didn't really um, get a chance. And so I, I had to kind of escape from that. And my look was so associated with that character, just the way I, my hair and the yeah. way I dressed. And so I, I sort of uh, ran as far away from that as possible. And I think that helped me a little bit because people, I don't know, I, I just stopped getting recognized as soon as I cut my hair off. Yeah, let's go, let's go back a little. Um, <laughs> okay. So... <laughs> Uh, for anyone listening to this who doesn't know what Bucket Skinner is, shame on you. Uh, <laughs> Bucket Skinner. I don't blame them. <laughs> okay, but here's the thing. So Bucket Skinner you? was a show on Nickelodeon. I did it, um, God, very shortly after I finished up True Jackson. Um, but it's funny. I got a TikTok earlier this year, kind of against my will. It was kind of just as a joke, and I was just like, I'll just have it. But as I've been on it more so many people ask about Bucket and Skinner. Really? And ev Yes, and every time they do it, I'm like, what? <laughs> what do you mean? Like, I'll talk about a, a lot of the questions are like, what was being on True Jackson like? Or like, Girl Meets World? Or all these other shows that I was on. But every time somebody will be like, why don't you talk about Bucket and Skinner more? I loved Bucket and Skinner. Let's talk about Bucket and Skinner. And it's not, it was not a bad show. It was so funny and it was so much fun to work on. Yeah. It's more just like what you were saying. It, it wasn't really given a chance and we were canceled really early. So yeah. I'm always so surprised when people are like, hey, talk about this. Sure, um, absolutely. I mean, I get a little bit of that on Instagram every once in a while. Um, it, it's weird because I think had the show had been on the air for longer and, and maybe just underperformed or something. Yeah. It'd be one thing, but we, we sort of had the rug pulled out from underneath us. And I also think it's interesting because at least for me, you know, Taylor and I, we went through at least two or three pilots I before was, we that settled was my next on question, yeah. when you were cast and when we actually went into production. So for so many years, we had to keep it under wraps. I mean, we couldn't talk about it. I could say I was working with Nickelodeon, but that was about it. Um, and we weren't really doing anything either. We were always sort of in limbo. And so by the time the show came out, it was the same kind of thing. I mean, we shot however many episodes we shot over the course of a year, and then that was it, and they started airing them, and then it was over. So there there was a very small window where we could go out and talk about it, promote it, and a small window that it was on TV. So in my mind, it's like I never really got to embrace the fact that it was even a thing, if that yeah. makes sense, because it was always sort of behind closed doors or in production, you know? Were you guys held, like, in the time that you were shooting those other pilots, were you held to, like, not be able to do anything else? Yeah, I was at least, yeah. I'm sure Taylor yes. and I had very similar um, contractual arrangements. Uh, I'm not sure what the, the details were with his, but, yeah, it was, it was about as exclusive as it gets. Wow. Was it tough not being able to go out for, for any other projects? Yeah. Yeah. Yes and no, because it was so exciting, too. It felt like one of those things where, I mean, we would sit down with these really powerful people at Viacom or Nickelodeon or, or 
whoever. And they would really kind of inflate our egos. And there was so much. And, you know, I don't blame them for doing that. I think they had the best intentions at the time. But I was so excited. And each time that we would sit down with somebody and they'd say, you know, this is what's going to happen. This is our six-month plan. This is our one-year plan, whatever. That was enough to kind of hold me over. Because sure. at the time, I think I was 15 when I, when I first got cast, when I met Taylor in the process. I was 15 years old, you know, and oh. it ended when we were just about 18. So mm -hmm. so at least three or four years, maybe even a little younger. Yeah, when I joined the cast, you guys were so close already. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We've been through a lot yeah. at that point, you know, and we were so similar in age and, and interest. And, yeah, it was weird. Where did that it come almost, in? Like, like prior to Bucket and Skinner, how much had you been auditioning and like how, how did you kind of, was that your start or had much happened before then? Um, I think it's fair to say that that was my start. Um, I was involved in a lot of the local music scene where I grew up in Scottsdale. Okay. And at the time, it was either like pop punk or nothing. And so I was really involved. Like I had, I was in bands and um, were you in a ska band? Really... <laughs> no, no. Uh, I wish. You, I loved ska you band. could have rocked a ska band. Yeah, I could have. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh no. Um, no, you know, I, I, I think the way it went was my younger brothers are twins, and because Arizona is so close to Los Angeles, there's such a uh, natural migration for people there to go there. Like anyone that's creatively minded that grows up in Arizona is like, I'm gonna go to LA. It's inevitable, you know. So I think somebody, maybe a family member or a friend of a friend or something, told my mom, you know, you're uh, my younger brothers, but her her youngest sons, they have a really great look. They're both twins. They're blonde. They're really cute. And they, they were like five or six at the time. But there, someone uh, suggested that they get into modeling or something. And so I think that was the first step. That was like the first time we had ever gone to L.A. My brothers were excited about it. You know, there was like a casting for Gap or something like that. Okay. Oh, my God. And, uh, yeah. And then from there, I think I, I was able to find an agent or something at all. It's all so blurry in retrospect. And then uh, somewhere around middle school, I got really involved in like doing plays and um, making music. And I just knew I wanted to be creative. And I think my mom was paying attention to castings, like maybe it was Actors Access or something like that. And I had done a few things in Arizona, like short films or like... Uh, what are they, the, the like 48-hour film? Yeah. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, Those yeah. like competitions. Mm -hmm. We had done stuff like that because I knew I wanted to do something like that, but I didn't have any in. Um, so, yeah, the auditioning process for Bucket and Skinner was definitely the first legitimate thing I was associated with. Were you, I mean, that's, so audition for a Nickelodeon show is a big deal. Were you nervous at all? Yeah. No, I have way, I am, I've completely 180'd. When I was that when I was that age, I had so much confidence, and not in like wow. I wouldn't have considered myself like arrogant, but I really believed that this is what I was supposed to be doing, and I really wanted to be there. And I came from a sports background; I was always playing baseball, so I was very competitive. So to me, it was like, and not competitive with other people. I was always against myself. Like I can do this, I can do this, I can be better. And now, you know, you become an an adult, and you realize how much sacrifice it takes to make it as an entertainer in any capacity. Uh, and so that's kind of when the pressure came on. But back then, no, I was just having a good time, you know. What position in baseball? I was a catcher. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah. I was like shortstop when I was younger and then center field in high school. 
I could see that. You look like a shortstop. Uh, thank, <laughs> thank you. I, uh, yeah. that, that's yeah. quite a compliment. Uh, I, <laughs> yep. real, I'm still learning with baseball. I can you, I can tell you everything about basketball, but I'm still learning with are baseball. You, are you Dodger fans? Yankees. Oh. I'm actually named at. That's okay. No, I get I get where that where that O comes from. Uh, but I was born into it. I'm named after Mickey Mantle. And my dad. That's an amazing person to be named after. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So my dad's from New York and played baseball and everything, and then. Right. Yeah. Well, I I um I had a heart surgery, um, and that's what ended my sports career. And that's when wow. I had, I had done like a little bit of acting, but that year that was my like sophomore and junior year of high school. That's when I st- did like all the musicals and the plays and like directed right. one. And that's when I decided to um, switch. But, was it something that was on your mind before the surgery? No, uh, I had taken, I had done like, I had sang in this little play when I was younger and then a couple little things. And then I took one, I took like a serious drama one freshman class because it was either that or painting. And I, I don't like, uh, I'm not good at visual arts. So I just did that. Sure. And my teacher was incredible. Uh, and so then I was like, oh, this is legit. And then, then once, but it, I never thought of doing it as a career until, until the heart surgery. Wow. Yeah. I had to take a full year off of sports to recover. Yeah. But I was going to ask like now that, so you're, you know, like mid to late twenties. Um, do, do, <laughs> do you ever think about like baseball anymore? Do you, do you ever like, yes. now that yeah. you've gone on this path, are you yeah. like, like, it's unlikely, but if <laughs> you completely devoted yourself to training, <laughs> yes, in like six months, could you get up to like maybe? Mick, maybe it is not so the funny big that show. you're bringing this up. Yeah. I had this conversation with my younger brother yesterday while watching the Dodgers Diamondbacks game. Okay, I, I, I want to backtrack a little bit because I grew up a Diamondbacks fan because okay. I grew up in Arizona, and the 2001 World Series where the Diamondbacks beat the Yankees yeah, is of course. a very sure. iconic moment in my life. I mean, I was there. I went to three of those games. Luis Gonzalez nice. with that with that that's right that hit yep, that yeah yeah the drive. loop over short <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, baseball it's funny i kind of skimmed over this but i had a very similar um path into the arts because i was playing baseball and i developed rotator cuff tendonitis in my throwing arm so i stopped playing baseball and it was at that time that i was recovering that i fell in love with arts you know and so it's kind of a similar thing i i didn't have heart surgery i'd had a you know an arm injury but a very similar kind of like uh moment where I had to decide what I was going to pursue. But to answer your question, yes, I do think that I could do it. I really do. Because some of my friends, this is such a stupid thing to say, but some of my friends have gone on to play pro baseball. And I grew up playing travel baseball with them. We were always competing together. And um, I'd like to think that if if I had devoted myself the same way that I have to what I'm doing now, absolutely. I know. You know? Yeah. Right? I'm sure you feel the same way. Oh, I absolutely do. A, f- a friend yeah. of mine... Uh, made it he he was like triple a for a while and then he played a couple games with the yankees um and then he got traded but (laughs) but like i was as good as him and then uh for me i was like five foot three and then after the heart thing um because i had a hole in my heart and so my blood wasn't really getting to my getting pumped as well as it should be so i had a huge growth spurt after that so i never played sports with my full-size body so I, Dude, I do, me too. I do wonder, I'm not like, joking. yeah, 
Yeah, they would. They they refused to do surgery on my arm because um, my my growth plates hadn't fully developed yet. I was five feet tall going into my freshman year of high school. Wow! And by the time we started shooting Bucket and Skinner for real, when I was seventeen, I was five foot ten. I'm five eleven now. Yeah. So it's the same kind of thing. I never got to play baseball uh, post growth spurt. You know. I just want to do a baseball movie so badly. And Me that'll, too. That'll make it make sense. You know what, man? Let's just do it together. Okay. Done. I'm I'm serious. You guys like, should write I, one together. We could probably it. figure it out. I'm sure. All right. I didn't realize you're so passionate about baseball. I love this. I'm gonna. Nobody on the podcast can see this, but I'm gonna turn around so you can see what our office looks like. Yeah, these oh, this are, is amazing. These are all signed. It's all baseballs, yeah. basketballs, wow. Michael Jordan shoes, giant jersey, the whole wow. thing. Yeah. I've got some memorabilia too. It's just in the other room. <laughs> Good. Yeah. yeah. Huge sports yeah. household here. So, Ashley, have you been getting into baseball by proxy now? By proxy, yeah. You guys have obviously known I've been a baseball or a basketball fan my entire life. Yeah. But um, I, I remember on our first date, you were like, so do you, you know, do you watch any baseball? Because I mentioned I like sports. And I was like, I mean, sort of. Because um, with doing shows at the Rockwell, we sang at uh, Dodgers games a couple of times. So just by being in L.A., I was like, yeah, I'm, I guess I'm a Dodgers fan. I don't know. And I yeah. just remember his face dropping being like hmm we're gonna fix that and now I I know so much about baseball and I'm I'm so proud of it and football you taught me a lot about football too so it's been it's been nice yeah have you stayed Diamondbacks or did you convert to Dodgers no I became a Dodgers fan oh wow okay yeah and I felt a lot of guilt about it for a long time because they're in the same division so it's 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 a bit sacrilege um yeah but I've been in LA now for over ten years, and I rejected the Dodgers for probably six or seven of those years. Yeah. Um, but they've been so hot in the playoffs the last three or four years that there was just so many more games of them to watch. You know, I'd watch maybe a hundred and thirty games a season. Like I, I'm pretty devoted to baseball. Um, yeah. But then the playoffs would come. The Diamondbacks would never, they'd never go anywhere. And so I'd watch the Dodgers, you know, and I just, I fell in love with their lineup. And I kind of became obsessed. And my younger brother's always been a Dodgers fan, even growing up back home in Arizona. Something about LA, he just kind of clicked with them. Yeah. And so having that too, having somebody to talk to about the lineup and, you know, different people whose contracts or arbitration or, you know, options, trades, all that stuff, he, he gave me like really great insight on the Dodgers as an organization. And it just clicked, you know. And it's been such a exciting last few years, especially with, like, the Houston scandal. And, mm-hmm. you know, now this new season, they're the best team in baseball right now. It's, it's a lot going on. There is. Uh, I do love Dodger Stadium. And when, <laughs> yeah. you know, when, when we can uh, go to baseball games again, uh, I yeah. love just getting those, like, have you ever sat in... Uh, I think it's like left center where it's like 60 bucks and then you get unlimited hot dogs. Yeah. Yeah. It's right center. Right center. Yeah. 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 It's, um, there's a name for those tickets. I can't remember what it's called. Unlimited hot dogs. Oh yeah. 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 Fantastic. Yeah. It's all you can eat. You get peanuts, nachos, hot dogs. I think all you have to pay for is beer. Yeah. Yeah. The beer yeah. you got to pay for that. But yeah. yeah. Yeah, all the food comes with the price of the ticket. It's like a $60 ticket. It's the best. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Cool. We'll, we'll go when, when there's baseball again. I'd really love that, yeah. Hopefully next year. I know. Yeah, I hope so. I didn't know you were such a huge baseball fan. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's like uh, the one thing I've always sort of had in my life. 
you know. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to um, say say it that it, that's never going to happen. We're never going to play baseball. But a movie, I would feel satisfied if we got to do a movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because right. you could, you could, I've thought about it too, you know, I've, I've played, I've played for long enough and I've been connected, excuse my dog's barking in the background. Um, I've been connected to it long enough that I feel like I could do a role justice, you know, because you'll see those, those people every once in a while in a film about baseball where you're like, mm. That looked phoned in, you know what yeah. I mean? Like you did two weeks, but you've never actually swung a bat or whatever. Um, so yeah, I think that'd be cool one day. I did a commercial where they just needed baseball players, and the really? the other two guys in it were like kind of like more known, more like whatever. They 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 had to be like the center of it. I just kind of got thrown in at the end, but um, I was like, uh, I, by the Come end on. of it. They were they were playing. They were one of the guys was catching, and a ball hit him, and he didn't like that. So then uh, I ended up being the catcher, and it was fine. I was like, I was I was sliding. It was great, and that was a one day shoot. Like, yeah, you know. Yeah, can you imagine if we got to do that for like two months? Oh, that'd be amazing. <laughs> yes, that's the beauty of acting, in my opinion. You know, it's like the, I've I've always wanted to do so many things. You know. I want to be like a million different things. I can't really settle on any of them, so I chose being an actor. And I feel like if you really, if you really take acting seriously or performing seriously, you can become those things. You know. Yeah. And I'll never be an astronaut, but I could, I could really spend months and months and months learning all of the things that a real astronaut would have to know, and to at least have an understanding of what they go through, to at least have an understanding of maybe what they're thinking, or you know whatever. And I think that's as close as you can get without actually doing it. And then a year from then I can play a baseball player, you know? Right. And, and if you're filming on a real major league field in a stadium somewhere, like it's still me wearing cleats, walking out onto this field, you know? Oh yeah. Sure. I'm not hitting against Roger Clemens, but like I'm hitting. (laughs) Don't make it look like you did. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's such a, it's such a like a wonderful kind of innocent thing. You know, so that's like exactly why I got into it too, to be a million different things. But then, so what do you think of this piece of advice that I've gotten where you have to pick one lane to go into and become known as the thing and then you can expand out later? Different strokes for different folks, you know? Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know. I'm sure that that works for a lot of people. I've I've had trouble with that though in my own experience. I've just never yeah. been able to really like say I'm gonna do this one thing really well to or yeah. like like I guess uh, picking a brand or like a you know style. But I just that's tough. No, I can relate too, man. I, I think so much of it is out of my control too. Like even if I chose, you know, what's keeping me from choosing something that's just completely unattainable for me? You know what I mean? Like I'm never going to be like uh, I don't know the heartthrob or something like may, like maybe I could play I, I, that's probably maybe not like the best example but often I get breakdowns where I'm like I'm not that guy I know that I'm not that guy and I'm not gonna lie to myself and think that I am you know so if I were to choose that like I'm gonna be the I'm gonna be Captain America you know yeah. there are people out there who really could set that as a goal and become Captain America but I know that I'm not gonna be that guy it's not gonna happen for me so. Why would I waste my whole career trying to be Captain America to then branch off? Yeah. You know, so 
I don't know if I don't know if that works for everybody unless you're being like painfully honest with yourself of like how you look and how you seem and how you sound and I don't know how other people perceive you, you know. Yeah. I think at least for me, I I think that kind of happened to me but not because I it wasn't like an intentional choice. You know what I mean? I think both of the roles mm-hmm. I played on Nickelodeon I was the, like both of them were super goody two shoes and yeah. they were they were a little similar and then I got stuck because people were like that's just what she does and I was like but no I can do I can do more and nobody will, nobody wants to give me a chance to do that now right and yeah even just getting into rooms after that was it was like pulling teeth because yeah. everyone was like well no she's she's the knicker like she can if we need a goody two shoes great she can do that and I was like but I want to do more um, so I think you're right. It's definitely different for, for everyone. Well, that's a great perspective too. Cause you know, that's an example of someone who did pick a lane, whether you chose it or not, yeah. it was kind of chosen for you and then you did it successfully and then you couldn't break away from it for a while. Yeah. You know, so I don't know if there's a, like a, a rule book or a, a way to do this, Mm-mm. you know, it's just kind of like, fuck it. Every day is just going to be different. Yeah. That's kind of the beauty of it, too, you know? Yeah. I don't know. It's safe to assume that I have no idea what I'm talking about. (laughs) Yes, you do. (laughs) In all honesty. I, what I really wanted to talk about with you was the after part of Bucket and Skinner. Because we've talked about this on the podcast before. So many people think, you know, we were on, like, this really cool TV show, and then, like, great, you're just going to keep getting jobs after that, and the success is going to, like, sustain, and you're going to get every audition you want, and blah, 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 and I know for both you and me that it wasn't like that after Bucket and Skinner. I personally, no. I didn't work for a few years after Bucket and Skinner. I, like, no, went to either. school, and then I came back, and there was, like, nothing. Yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit about what that experience was like what it felt like I know you guys moved from Arizona to LA during Bucket and Skinner because we thought it was going to go longer and it didn't yeah. so I know that was a big thing yeah it's it's such a it's such a kind of whirlwind at all in hindsight it feels like it all happened so quickly yeah um but obviously it's kind of a slow burn I mean maybe three or four years of kind of figuring out where I needed to go and how I needed to do it. But yeah, uh, most of my family relocated out here. And then a few months later, I turned 18. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot going on with my family that did move out here. You know, they were in high school and they had their own lives. And so it ended up working out best that um, they go back to Arizona and I sort of start my journey as an adult. And so that was difficult and that was what it was. But I jumped right into... I think it was the week I turned 18. I just, I got an apartment and I just, I needed to kind of do this on my own, you know? And I had a little bit of success here and there, uh, specifically with Disney right after Nickelodeon. I worked with Disney a few times and yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah. For those of you listening, <laughs> Ashley's doing the, you know, rock on song. <laughs> and I had a great experience with them, but to be completely fair, they, they sort of, pigeonholed me the same way that Nickelodeon did sure. I kind of filled the same role that I was filling with Nickelodeon but on a smaller scale like instead of being the guy I was like way down the list which is fine I don't have a problem with that at all I just want to work right um, but at, in, at the time I didn't really realize that that's what was happening and then a lot of the people that I worked with at that time on a few different projects they went on to be the guy you know mm. 
And then I sort of fizzled out. And I also realized that that's not what I wanted to do. You know, I, as an actor, I, I want to do, I love irreverent humor. I love silliness. I love being you know, childlike, but I take it very seriously. And Disney and Nickelodeon don't really align with my sense of humor. And so it took me a little while to realize that, but I came to the realization that I don't want to even audition for those things anymore. If I'm going to reinvent myself, I'm doing air quotes for, you know, the people listening, but if I'm going to do that, I have to sort of change my look. I need to change my approach. I need to, you know, just get in different rooms. And so I spent three or four years not working either, where it was just like going into casting offices and asking them to be brutally honest with their notes. And a lot of them were you're overacting. You know, everything you're doing is just too big. And I knew that, but it was it was a muscle that I had like worked out so many times that it was really hard to tone it down for me. Um, and so I think that played a role too. For so many years, everything was so big and over yeah. the top. And, you know, like calling it theatrical would be, you know... Um, Almost uh, an understatement. Well, but it, it also would be like mean to, to theater. You yeah. Know, <laughs> theater. It's like, it's not, it's cartoony. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. Totally. And it, it serves its purpose, but it, it doesn't translate into other things. So I think it's kind of a perfect storm. I think I maybe looked a certain way um, to producers and casting directors. And I also portrayed myself that way too. Um, but it was tough. I mean, I went years without working. Years. And it sucked. I feel you. <laughs> yeah. And LA is a very expensive place to live when <laughs> you're not working. Right. <laughs> period. You know? Ugh. So it, it, it was tough. You know? Did you ever pick up any side jobs or have you been able to make it? Oh, yeah. I've yeah. done a lot of side jobs. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I've done a lot of stuff. I mean, I've been really lucky, too, to be able to um, figure out ways to make money in other creative avenues. I, I got really into photography um, You're an seven or eight years ago. You're an incredible photographer. Oh, thank you. Well, it's just one of those things that it's just another extension of how I like to express myself. And I found a way to make a little bit enough money to get by at the time yeah. doing that. So fortunately, some of the odd jobs led me to a place where I was like, oh, I can at least still be creative, you know, so it's, you know, maybe like taking photos for people or um, just doing other creative stuff, assisting people, producing stuff, editing, whatever it was. Nice. Would you say yeah. that helped give you the inspiration to to keep going? Because I know personally when that was happening to me, I was like, maybe I should just Maybe I should just stop. <laughs> Maybe oh, something yeah. else needs to happen. Maybe I should go back to nursing school and just be a nurse. Yeah, I feel like I still go through that, though, you know? Yeah? Yeah, it's it's weird. I had a, a really wonderful year last year. I was really lucky to work on a few things that I, I was really excited about. And it's it's really interesting, for me at least, how quickly the high of a project wears off. <laughs> you know, you think, like, when you're making it, like, this is it. Like, I'm, a, I'm doing what I love to do. This is amazing. And then within a week of rapping, I'm like, am I ever going to work again? Like, <laughs> yeah, is this yeah. it? You know? But I go, I go back to that, to that so quickly. And that's why I think, like, no matter, like, what level of success you're at, not that I'm anywhere near the top, but I've been able to sustain myself for a while now. Um, I feel like it'll always kind of be that way. That's what keeps people, you know, like, why is Bill Gates still working? <laughs> you know I mean? like, he doesn't need more money. But it's, it's more than that. Like, it's never... You're never going to be satisfied, you know? So I've, I've learned to kind of just embrace that and allow myself to have a bad day 
if I feel like I'm having a bad day, I'm down on myself, maybe I'm feeling insecure, okay, sit in your feelings for a day and then wake up tomorrow and get over it, get back to work. That's all I know how to do at least, you know? Yeah. Would you, when, what's the closest you've come to quitting besides just like every day? <laughs> Probably the, that time we're talking about post Bucking and Skinner, those yeah. first few years. Yeah. Cause I thought, because again, it was, it, that was like my introduction in yeah. so many ways to this world and it worked and I'm a pretty reasonable and rational person. Like I, mm-hmm. I often get myself into trouble for not being emotional enough it, just because like sometimes I'll overlook the emotion of a situation with logic yes. or, and, and sometimes that's not the way to be. But at the time I was thinking to myself like, fuck rationally, this may have been a fluke. Like <laughs> truly, I don't know. At the time I didn't have proof of concept. I had no idea. And so I think then, back then, I had no money. I was living in a shitty apartment. I wasn't working. I was just not happy, you know? And so I think that was probably the closest I got to quitting, for sure. Yeah, it was a tough time for, for all of us, especially with, <laughs> ha- with how it happened. It was, yeah. It was, a, it was an open wound for, for quite some time. Yeah, and we were young people, too. You know, it's a lot of, a lot of rejection to face as a young person. Yeah, we were, we were, I turned 18 on that show, like, we were, we were babies when it happened, so, it was, and it was so weird for me, too, because in the short time that we were all together, you guys had become, like, my little brothers, and I remember, especially towards the end of filming, I could, I could sort of see it happening, but I was like, they're not gonna, like, they're gonna give us a chance, it's gonna be fine, and then as it just got worse and worse, it just... Like, I, I wanted to, like, mama bear hug and protect all of you. But I was like, I, it was so weird. It was so helpless because it was our show, technically. But, like, yeah. there was only so much we could do to help save it or to, to help keep it on the air or to, Absolutely. to put it out there. <laughs> and I feel like we did that. I mean, we started, like, a, a riot on Twitter at one point. Do you remember that? Do you remember when I yeah, took you guys to the Grove so that we could that. do promos, like, for our own show? Say that again? Do you remember when I took you guys to the Grove so that we could film promos for our own show? Oh, my God. Now I do, yeah. <laughs> well, I just remember, I remember, um, you know, our slot kept getting pushed. Yeah. You know, we had whatever day at whatever time. And yeah. It was supposed to be a good day at a good time. I don't know. I don't study that stuff. And then slowly over time, it's getting pushed and you're getting played in the middle of the night. And then they're saying, well, your numbers aren't good. And it's like, well, because the slot's terrible. Yeah. Like, well, the slot's not good because your numbers aren't, you know, snake eating its tail kind of thing. Yeah. And then out of nowhere, I remember a bunch of billboards started popping up for all these other shows that they were promoting. And they were putting all this money into these other shows. And that really upset me. Yeah. And it it really upset Taylor, too, if I can speak on his behalf about this one thing. And we sort of organized a mutiny and we got on Twitter and we started hashtagging like Bucket and Skinner deserve a billboard. It and we was got it trending. The best thing ever. And we got phone calls from Nickelodeon like, you can't do this. Like, you know, we were they like, were not happy about that but at all. We can, though. And we did. But yeah, I mean, we did it. I mean, we raised more awareness through that than I think they ever did from their advertising. Yeah. We I, were, I don't know. We were so adamant and, and persistent in in promoting the show even when we didn't have any help and it's weird because looking back on it like in the moment it felt so helpless because I was like just throwing shit at the wall and seeing what was gonna hopefully stick 
but now, I mean, like, we, I can look back and say, like, we really did, we did everything we could. Yeah. Um, well, you must have had a really interesting insight, too, having come right off of True Jackson. You know, for me, I, I was a bit blind to what was happening at, at first, for sure. Yeah. You know, but like you were saying, towards the end, you wanted to give us all the mama bear hug. I was on cloud nine towards the end. I was like, <laughs> this is fucking dope. <laughs> We're going to keep going for years. Yeah. And that's just not the way it went, you know? It, yeah. It was a, it was weird because I was also like, I, I don't know everything. Like, I, I, I did True Jackson for a couple of years and then I, I came to this show and we were having a great time. But I was also like, there are promotion things that aren't happening and like, you know, there should, there should be things that we're a part of and we're not a part of it and shouldn't this happen? Or like when Sarah Bareilles was on the show and like they wouldn't let us say Sarah Bareilles was on the show until yeah. like the day that it aired and we couldn't like, right. it was like a secret for so long. There were just little things like that that I was like, that's weird. I wonder, I wonder why. And in the back of my mind, yeah. there's that little like, mm, red flag, something's going on. But, yeah. uh, you know, who, who was I to say anything? One. And also I wasn't sure. And when it started, I remember Tommy, our producer, giving me a call when I was in New York right after we wrapped at school. And he was like, I need you to come back and help with the show. And that's when I knew. Yeah. I was like, oh, shit's happening. Like, something's wrong. Because yeah. you're yeah, asking yeah. me to stop my life now and come and, and help the show. So something must have gone awry. Remember when they showed, like, the Christmas episode in July? How could I forget? <laughs> Yeah, it was a journey. Yeah, it was insane. It was a journey, but I'm glad we made it out of there alive and together. And... Uh, me too. I'm I'm so grateful for so many things too. You know, I think in hindsight it was such a dis or at the time rather it was such a disappointment. Um, but in hindsight, it was a really great lesson. And and also, I, I think um, I really do believe that everything happens for a reason. Sometimes it takes ten years to figure out what that reason is. Yeah. You know, but for me. Um, for however long it took for me to, again, air quotes, reinvent myself um, or just sort of repurpose myself or my look maybe, um, it would have been so much harder if that show had been very successful. Totally. You know, we see examples of that all over the place. You know, w you know with that success comes uh, really great luxuries like money and, you know, stability and, and stuff like that. But I, I like to think of it as uh, a blessing in disguise, you know. It was a great, great learning experience. I made some of the best friends in my life and uh, had a great time doing it. And also I got away about as cleanly as you can, you know? None of us developed crippling drug dependencies. <laughs> no. <Nope. laughs> you know? For real. Yeah. You know, we're all, like, for the most part doing pretty well, I think. I think so. You know, I've never watched any of Bucket and Skinner. Other than what they would have played us, you know, maybe at like promotional things. I've never watched it. Really? Yeah. I was that like upset about what had happened. Wow. I didn't want to watch it. Yeah. It I tried took, to erase it. I'll, I will say it took me a, a good long while to to be able to to watch it without um, the negative feelings attached to it, I think. Um, I remember having to watch it for like live tweeting and stuff like that. But even yeah. even doing that, it was like, ugh. Why? Why are we doing this? But well, now I think then, I can watch it with some perspective. Yeah, even then, I, for me, that didn't really count because I was with a few people and we were tweeting the whole time. I wasn't, like, actually watching it. But yeah, it, I, I'd like to do that one of these days, you know? 
I mean, I don't want to toot my own horn, but it's a very funny show. It's fun. Do you think? Is it fun? Yeah. I watched have, it. You know, you're going to be the, the least biased person here. What did you think about it? Oh, I thought Honestly. it was really fun. Um, uh, you know, and I'm not the demographic at all. I'm, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> no. I'm like going back and watching a Nickelodeon show. Um, yeah, all of Ashley's stuff was like just a little bit after, like, like, I loved, like, Boy Meets World growing up. I know that's Disney, but, like, Nickelodeon was, like, all that. Um, yeah. The Wild Thornberries. Like, so <laughs> I was just, like, a little bit before that. But, um, no, I thought, I, I like I liked Bucket and Skinner. I prefaced it before I showed him. I was like, it's very silly. Like, don't worry about it. I know you just want to, like, see the show so you can say you've seen the show. And he was like, he, we finished the first episode, and he's like, can we watch more? Yeah. Really? I was like, oh, no. Oh yeah, I, it's an easy binge. Yeah, I got into it. Wow. Yeah, it's. Uh, you heard it here first, folks. Yeah. <laughs> it's available on iTunes if anyone wants to watch it. Could I like buy the whole season? Yeah, I. Yeah. Yes, I bought the seasons of the show that we started. Yeah, that hurts. Yeah, and you yeah. guys aren't getting any money for that. No. But to no. Buy your own no, show. I never got no. anything from that. No, I had to <laughs> do it for True Jackson too. So it it makes me cry a little on the inside if we like or what if we're gonna like watch it and i bring it up and i'm like oh there's the show that i was on and bought (laughs) (laughs) it's fine i'm good that's how it goes anyway back to you what uh what did you what did you do was there anything um because you know that that sounds tough like like uh just kind of a classic like hollywood ate you up spit you out like intro story for sure um was there something that you like turned to 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 pull out of it or ha- come to that realization that it was a blessing in disguise? Um, yeah, I think just having done it for a, a little over a decade now um, and seeing people come and go and realizing that it is to an extent a, a war of attrition, you know, kind of is the last person standing to an extent. I mean, obviously you need to be passionate, you need to be talented and you need to have a strong work ethic, but you also just need to not give up. You know, I've seen so many people that reached significantly higher roles in, in this industry than I have already quit, you know, or give up or, or kind of phone it in. Um, and I've seen other people who maybe were more talented than I am and better looking and had more money to fall back on, give up quicker. Yeah. And so I think, it might be the, like, the wrong way to look at it, but some of those things were a positive reinforcement for me. Like, oh, shit, like, I think I can do this. Like, I think, you know, it seems kind of contrary if I saw somebody who's better looking than me and maybe more talented give up. Like, maybe that should be, you know, a reason for me to stop. But it wasn't. It never was because I've always sort of had that mentality. And I think that comes from sports, really. Like, always having that coach push you and you're like, I can't do it. I'm out of breath. I can't do it. I'm like, do it. And yeah. you just do it. And then you sleep for a week afterward. That's you know? right. And it's like success is fleeting. Like, uh, like, like the Diamondbacks, you know, got to that World Series. Yeah. And then, and then you think like, hey, <laughs> yeah, we've got, we've got Randy Johnson. We've got Kurt Schilling. Like, we'll yeah. win three in a row. Yeah, yeah. It's not, you're not always in, in there. <laughs> We don't often well, have guests that we too. can talk to sports, like we can talk sports with on the podcast. So this is like, this is everything it's to fantastic. me. I love it. Well, that's a really great point too, because it introduces the idea that there's other things at play, you know, like um, uh, contracts and trade deals and politics. 
there's all these roles outside of what we do that affect what we're trying to do. And to a certain extent, you sort of have to just surrender to that. You know, I had a pretty frustrating experience last year with a show that I went all the way with like five different times. You know, they just kept rolling back the thing. I tested for it a few times. It could have been a potentially life-changing thing that didn't work out. But I really believe that had that happened to me maybe four or five years ago when I was in a more vulnerable spot, that could have been the final nail in the coffin. Like, uh, fuck. Like, I've never been so close to that big of a thing and it didn't work out. It's not meant to, it's not meant to be. But that's not where I'm at now, mentally. You know, like, I have the tools to, I don't know, to persevere now. No, that's good. That fascinates me because I hear a lot of times, like, I had a professor who it came down to him and Harrison Ford for Indiana Jones. Oh, and, wow. And, uh, and then, you know, and you hear, like, uh, I got the closest I've ever been, and then I didn't get it, so I quit. Like, why would you quit then? Right. You're, you're like, that close. Yeah, yeah. It means the next one is get, getting even closer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's also, it just is going to take that little bit more practice, you know, or that little bit more effort to hit the ball over the fence, so to speak, you yeah. know? I got lucky too because um, my family is very supportive. Um, everyone in my immediate family has always been very just cool with what I do. You know, very, there's never been that pressure to like get a real job or go to school or, or live a quote normal life. It's always been like, hey man, like you got this one life, do it. And I also have nothing to lose either. Like I have friends who uh, maybe their moms or their dads or brothers or whatever are successful in their own right in this industry. And I think being in that shadow can be really difficult because you have something to live up to. Mm, yeah. I don't have anything to live up to. Like I'm 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 on my own trail. You know, this is I'm going to take this as far as I can take it, you know, and there's no pressure to be more than my dad or more than my brother. I'm just me. So anything I do is an accomplishment, you know. Yeah. Would you say your definition of success has changed from the time you were on Bucket and, Bucket and Skinner to now? Yeah. How so? I don't know if I could put my finger on it exactly, but, you know, as you get older, different things become more important to you. You know, like my house and my girlfriend and our dogs and our life and my family and my mom, my niece, my sister, my, my brother-in-law, my stepbrothers, you know, my brothers, my sister, all these things, like, they're now, they've taken a, a different... Um, role, you know, taking on a different, more important role in my life where maybe I was a bit too um, kind of like blindsided by I need to become successful today. Yeah. You know? And I think that just makes you a more well-rounded person too. You know, the more you live your life, I think the more interesting you're going to be on screen too. So hopefully the more we experience, whether it's good, bad, or, or indifferent, the more we can translate those experiences on the screen and give something that's not just surface level, you know? I'm so proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. My little baby's all grown up. Oh, all grown up. <laughs> um, I, yes, I agree with you wholeheartedly on, on all of it. That was beautiful. Um, what do you think is the biggest misconception of being an actor? I don't know. What do you think? Um... The first thing that comes to mind is that it's everybody thinks it's easy and mm. that it's a hobby and it's not just a hobby it's a it's a job that we have to work on constantly all day every day. Yeah. Yeah. I think 
from my perspective, I think the biggest misconception is that you either just make it or you spend 20 years working as a waiter, you know? Ooh, yeah. And there's like this huge middle ground where... Your dog agrees. Yeah, they're very passionate about my opinion. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> as am I. I, I think woof, there's woof. this middle ground where um, you can find ways to still kind of feed that creative bug that's inside you without necessarily being on a set, you know, whether that's like collaborating with somebody on a podcast and connecting with your friends over shared experiences or just making art through a different medium, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, we live such a binary life now. Things are so yes and no and black and white, and red or blue, you know, and it's, it's just, it's not that simple. It's not just you make it or you're a waiter. Like there's, there's so much more nuance to this, you know, and you can find, uh, accomplishment or success in so many different varieties of, uh, being an entertainer now, I think, you know, as I've been in it longer, the, the thing that I've come to respect the most is longevity from actors yeah. who just have, you know, pieced job after job after job together for spanning a couple, couple different decades and changed with yeah. the industry and adapted and transformed themselves like three, four different times. You know, yeah. that, that's how you create really a life for yourself. But, but there are really successful people who have done that and they're not household names by any means. But that's Absolutely. that's very successful to me. Oh yeah, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, I really couldn't. You know, um, yeah, the longevity thing is super important to me. I, I don't want to just like hit it big now and coast. Like I want to work my ass off forever. But also, I think it's important. I think if I could give any advice to young actors, which I don't know if they would even listen to me, but what I would say was is um, you have a whole life ahead of you, and your body and your your personality is going to take different shapes throughout different stages of that life. And you're going to be able to play different roles at different times of your life. And that's what I'm looking forward to most is I've already had a really cool career up until this point. And whether or not I feel like I've done everything that I want to do or not, I've done a lot of cool stuff. And I'm really looking forward to what I'm going to be able to do in my 30s, my 40s, and my 50s. And, you know, one day I'll be able to play a dad. And if I stop now, I'll never have that opportunity. And so it's, it is about longevity. It has to be. It can't just be about being on CW tomorrow and being the heartthrob. Right. It's so much more than that. Unless you're just looking for, you know, the paycheck, which is totally fine because there's a project out there for you. I mean, they're out there. And that's cool. But I really do believe that there's a difference between, like, the, the, the guy who moves here who just or girl who just wants to be an actor and the person that's like, the, this is what I do and I'm going to do it for the rest of my life you know I yeah. think you're you're a you're a lifer for sure oh I have no choice <laughs> I'm gonna die doing this you know I've just accepted that at this point that's fair yeah are you planning on um releasing any more music said your biggest music fan of all time <laughs> um no I have no plans none um, I'm always making music, but it's hard when you're a one man show to yeah. get things up to like the standard. And I, I love music and I can tell the difference between what I'm able to produce on my own uh, with the limited resources that I have versus like what actually sonically is very pleasing. And so it's difficult for me to get to a place where on top of the million other things that we all do just to stay afloat, to get the music to that point where I'd be comfortable sharing it. 
Um, there have been a few scenarios in the past where I've just thrown ca- caution to the wind and said, fuck it. And I'm just going to put it out there because you have to abandon art at a certain point. But I think until I, until I can sort of hone that skill, which is like producing or find maybe a community that I can do it with, I won't be putting out anything like a, an album. It's just not, it doesn't feel right yet. How many instruments do you play again? Um, well, guitar mainly, but I dabble in a, in a bunch of stuff, you know? You, <laughs> I think it was when we were doing Bucket and Skinner. I, you would play the guitar on set all the time. So I'd hear you sing all the time and you were always amazing. I was sent one song. I have exactly one song of yours. I know the song too. <laughs> I send you pictures of it every once in a while if it comes on in my car, if it's on Do you shuffle. want to know the story of that song? Please, like I would the, love... The, sh- the, the short story? The point of the story before you go is that I remember you sent it to me and then a couple weeks later you were like, no, 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 not that version. You need to listen to this version because I fixed it. <laughs> and you would like change the drums, but I like... Oh, I didn't yeah. even notice, and you were like, "It's just so much better this way." I was like, "Yeah, great! I'm so I'm so glad it's better this way." I forgot way. about that, but yeah, that did happen. Yes. Um, anyway, go on. What's the story that, behind that it? That was the first and only songwriting session I ever did. That was like right after Bucket and Skinner. Some some like uh, songwriter reached out, and mm-hmm. a friend of mine went. We wrote that song with him, and he, he you know he wrote most of most of it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was just a, a session that I, I kind of just sang on, really. Um, but, yeah, that's, like, the only time I've ever gone into a proper songwriting session. Everything else that I do is just, like, me. Like, I just hunker down for, like, a week and whatever comes out comes out. But I actually have something. I don't know if you've heard it or if I sent it to you or not, but um, I have something on SoundCloud right now. I did hear it. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's the only other thing that's, like, even remotely current at all. Because <laughs> the song that you that you're talking about is, like, <laughs> eight or nine years it's old. It's old. It's like yeah, baby it's Dylan old. singing to me and in the car. And it's not me either, you know? It's a song yeah. that somebody else wrote, and they wrote it for their reasons, and then I just sang on it, and he pitch-corrected the shit out of my voice, and yeah. it doesn't sound like me. Nope. It's like, you know. No. You know how it goes. Of course. One of my favorite things I ever heard you do was your cover of Pumped Up Kicks, which you also posted when you were a baby. But Thank you. Oh, it was so good. And every well, time thank, I hear the well, song, thank you. I wish to it go, was you singing. Um, to go back to the, the beginning of the conversation a bit, that's back when I had so much confidence. Like, mm. not that I don't anymore, but I was just blindly confident, you know? <laughs> I, I would just record a, a cover and put it on YouTube and not think twice about it. And like, people are going to like this. And if they don't, screw them. And now I'm, like, much more methodical about it. I'm like, mm, that's not right yet. I don't want to do it like this, you know. Do you ever miss There's being a... that blindly confident? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Same. <laughs> yeah, this, I feel like this, I don't know if it's this town or this industry or, or both, but it has a way of humbling people. Mm. And if And if it doesn't, then you're, like, truly a narcissist. Ooh, amen. Yeah, like, if you're <laughs> yeah. 35 and you're walking around this town like I am the shit, like there's probably something wrong with you. Because this town is so brutal. It's so brutal. If it doesn't put you in your place, like, and more power to you. I mean, if you can get through that like that, that's unreal. But I really do think that it, it levels people out. Yeah. And I, I also, we kind of skimmed over this earlier, but I commend you for asking casting directors to be brutally honest with you. And humbling yourself in yeah. that way, just so you could you could get better. 
I didn't, I didn't know what the etiquette was back then because I had been on such so few auditions outside of the the Nickelodeon Disney kind of sure. spectrum. Um, so I didn't know. Like I, I would just walk in and be like, "Hey!" And I, I remember, I'll never forget this. I went to sh- shake someone's hand. Uh, I don't remember who it was. I went to shake her hand. I was like, "Hey, I'm Dylan." And she goes, "Yeah, we don't shake hands here." And I remember like looking down at my hand and looking back up at her, like, "Okay." And I just sort of put my hand down. And from that point on, there's a few years where I didn't know how to enter an audition at that point. I was like, I don't know. Do I just walk in and not say anything? You know, so it's like little stuff like that where it takes time to figure out what the etiquette is even, you know? Did you have to learn how to like exist on a set? Was that something that that was weird for you to learn? Um, no, because I, I've always had a fascination for cameras. So nice. I, I would always, I'd always like fuck off and find the camera department and geek out about lenses and cameras and stuff. So I, when I, when I wasn't like rehearsing or shooting or building chemistry with somebody, I was just like geeking out over technical stuff. So I've always felt like I sort of had a place when I was on set. That's you know? so good. Did that take you a while? Um, it took me a while actually to figure out how to be on a set without my mom because my mom was always with me from I mean obviously I started I acting that. when I was five <laughs> yeah so yeah. being on a set and not like not having my mom in the dressing room and just like existing alone or like being able to like go and and have lunch with cast members if I want to because my mom's not in the dressing room and I don't have to worry about another person getting lunch today Little yeah. things like that. It was like we or like I think the weirdest thing truly was that my mom, and you know this because you were on set with me, she took pictures yeah. constantly. So I have like Bucket and Skinner is so well documented for me because my mom was constantly there with that really nice camera taking pictures of us all the time. But when I didn't have her anymore, there was like nobody to to document anything for me. And I remember so awkwardly asking like wardrobe people just to be like, I'm so, can you just, I'm sorry, can you just take a, a picture really quickly just yeah. so I have something? I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, so just little things like that. I think that was like the, the weirdest thing to learn for me. You? I, yeah, I can imagine. Me? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I haven't spent more than a day on a set still. So like my set experience uh, is it's so quick always like you know i can't wait for the first project i do where i get to like sit into a role for even just like three weeks like if it's a quick yeah. movie shoot i can't imagine um being a series regular uh <laughs> that'd be really that'd be really fun but um i mean i've done so much theater where you get you know a couple months with your cast and you get to really know people but usually i'm just like there for a day if it's a movie and then or, or if it's a thing where everybody else knows each other and you're just there for one day, it's, like, really difficult to make friends. So you don't go in with yeah. any kind of expectation of that. Like, you just, like, yeah. would love if someone would be, like, cool and nice to you and, like, have <laughs> yeah. a good conversation you can take away. But, yeah. Um, I will say what I was really impressed with with you guys on set was you were always so kind to um, any guests that we had. And I, I wish I could say, like, that's just a normal thing for every set that you go on that like everyone's going to be nice to you but it, at Bucket and Skinner you guys really made a point to make everybody feel very welcome and 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 included well it's really sweet that you recognize that I mean I think that's 
that's just a testament to both Taylor and I's moms. Absolutely. Um, just they, for the record, both us. of your moms are the shit. They, they raised us really well. I mean, not to like toot my own horn, but my mom, she did a good job at, at explaining the value of people and like how, you know, she used to say you treat the, the janitor the same as the CEO, mm-hmm. you know, and that's something always just kind of stuck with me. And, and Mick, I, I, I know what you're talking about, about being on a, a set for a day or, or a little, a little while when there's already this rapport with a group of people. And I, for me, it was backward because I started on Nickelodeon where Taylor and I were the guys, you know, it was all this attention and people would show up and want to be our friends. And up until that point, that was never my life. Like I was quiet. I didn't have a big friend group. People didn't just show up and want to hang out with me. So that was a bit of a culture shock. And then after Bucket and Skinner, I've been working my way back up the ladder. I haven't been the guy, you know, it's been a lot of like one days, a lot of a few days. And it's only been recently where it's been a little bit more time. And so I've had a lot of experiences now where I show up on a show that's in its third season with a group of people that have been working with each other for years, you know, that have barbecues on the weekend. And then I'm trying to balance that line between seeming overzealous and and like intruding, but also staying open to if they want to include you, but also staying focused and putting in the work. And it's a difficult thing. And there's no like HR for that. There's no one there to like, (laughs) grab your hand and say, Hey, look, we're going to integrate you into this group. And so I think I appreciate you bringing that up, Ashley, because it's something I think about when I'm on set, because I had an opportunity. um, I brought this up before we started recording, but I have a film that's coming out in um, a little over a week, September 18th. And it's the most proud I am of anything that I've been a part of, because it's a group of people that we've all been collectively and uh, on our own pursuing making a film together. So we've all sort of been like, I've been developing my craft as an actor and one of my friends has been developing his craft as a writer, all independent of one another so that at one point we could all come together and make a film. Most of us grew up together in Arizona and we went back home to make this film. And while I was on on set, it, my one of my best friends, McCabe, who's the lead of this film, and I, we were like the two main dudes in this thing. And there's a lot of people that I felt like I didn't want them to ever feel excluded from that. And it was the first time since Bucket and Skinner that I've been towards the top of the rung on set. And we both made a very conscious effort to just include everybody in everything. I mean, that was the whole point of making this film. You know, it's supposed to be a community. It's supposed to have that that camaraderie, you know. And I don't know. I think sometimes that gets lost because we're all doing this on our own. It's such an individual pursuit that people forget that, community is the most important thing in any environment you know yeah where where is the movie going to be able where can people watch it so people will be able to watch it uh friday september 18th on uh video on demand so cable or satellite it's going to be uh available to rent or buy on itunes amazon youtube google Anywhere that you can buy a movie, basically, you'll be able to stream it. And it's called Teenage Badass. I was going to say, we never said the name of it. Teenage Badass. Yeah. Well, we Teenage save that badass. for, you know, the last. <laughs> yeah. Can you, can you tell us just, like, real quick, like, what it's about? Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, Teenage Badass is about, uh, it's a coming-of-age film about a young man who is trying to find his place in the world, but he's he's uh, very passionate about drumming and becoming a drummer in a successful band. 
and he ultimately does. And the band, uh, the the film follows sort of the the turbulent road that the, this band is down or going down uh, while trying to uh, develop themselves and their career and whatnot. So it, it sort of chronicles uh, this young man coming of age while also being thrown into this band that's uh, encountering a little bit of success at the same time, you know. And it's set in 2006, so it's all like pre-iPhone and it's it's wacky. It's a really fun and irreverent comedy. It's it's uh it's a it's a really wild ride, truly. I mean, it's one of those movies that does does not take itself seriously, and it's it's intended to make people um, laugh, really, and just have a good time. You know. Awesome! I can't wait and to see it. Thanks. I probably should have written down some cliff notes or something about it. <laughs> I'm just going stream of consciousness right now. It was perfect. I'm oh, so excited to see it. September 18th. We will be watching. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Well. Um, well, we always end with a fill in the blank question. So. Okay. Like one word or a sentence or however you want to answer this. But acting is. Eternal. Uh, that might be my favorite answer so far. Cool. I was thinking eternal or ephemeral. I don't know. I like it. It's 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 forever. You know.